It's Wednesday, March 23rd. I'm Sarah Y. Kim. Moderna seeks emergency use authorization of its COVID vaccine for younger children. The Maryland General Assembly has cleared crossover day and now has the final weeks to get unfinished legislation done before signy die. Medically necessary gender-affirming care for those who can't afford it would be covered by Medicaid under a bill that cleared the Maryland Senate. It's the Daily Dose from WYPR, our latest reporting on Maryland's COVID-19 response and the local news of the day, made possible by GBMC Healthcare. Moderna announced today that it is seeking emergency use authorization for its COVID-19 vaccine for children five years and younger. The company says that a smaller dose of the vaccine does produce an immune response in younger children, according to clinical trial results. The vaccine does appear to be less effective against Omicron. It's just about 44 percent effective against preventing milder infections in children up to age two and 38 percent effective among preschoolers. Still, the vaccine does appear to work and is safe. If authorized, it would provide some relief for anxious parents. A Maryland Department of Education assessment finds only 40 percent of the state's youngest students are prepared for success in kindergarten. That's a drop of 7 percent from the readiness assessment for the 2019 to 2020 school year. Officials say last year enrollment in pre-K dropped 25 percent and students were mostly in virtual programs due to the pandemic. Education leaders say the data shows that the state's youngest learners are in great need of support, especially English learners, children with disabilities, and children from low-income families. Following a rash of weekend gun violence, officials say Baltimore City is on pace to hit 300 homicides in 2022. So far this year, Baltimore has seen at least 75 homicides and is outpacing the number of murders in the city compared to the same time last year. Police officials believe the city's drug trade is fueling the homicide rate, along with interpersonal conflicts and poor conflict resolution efforts by the city. The Maryland Zoo is closing its bird exhibits and aviaries while relocating several bird species as a precaution against a deadly strain of the avian flu. The move comes after several chicken farms in Maryland and Delaware have reported some of its flocks have been exposed to the deadly virus. Zoo officials say they will also limit the number of staffers who work and treat the birds in order to prevent the birds from getting sick. We're in the final stretch of the 2022 General Assembly. Monday was crossover day, the day when bills must be passed from one chamber to the other to be guaranteed full consideration. And that usually means a flurry of activity. WYPR's Jill McCord was there and provided this recap on Morning Edition with WYPR's Nathan Sterner. Joel, tell us what made it, what didn't. Well, Nathan, a lot of bills that we've been tracking had already cleared their respective chambers. There are the bills to ban PFAS, uh, also known as pear and polyfluoroalkyl substances. 
that are in everything from carpet to firefighting foam and have been determined to be health hazards. And there are bills to ban ghost guns, those unregistered and untraceable firearms, and one to establish a permanent seat on the Patuxent River Commission for the Patuxent River Keeper. The House and Senate passed bills to create a state-run insurance fund that would pay someone a portion of their salary if they need to take leave after having a child, take care of a sick relative, or, or recover from a serious illness or injury. But there are sharp differences between to be ironed out between those two bills. The Senate bill requires employees to pick up 75% of the costs. It was originally 50-50. And the House bill establishes a commission to study how it should be implemented and, and make recommendations for a bill to pass next year. And that's what's going to be a real point of contention. Antonio Hayes, the Baltimore Democrat sponsoring the Senate version, says the issue has been studied for 10 years already. We're passing a really strong bill. We've made some compromises along the way, but hopefully they will revert back to their original position at the beginning of the session that they'll pass something more substantive. And he says the Senate won't compromise on the commission issue. Okay, there are also some bills that passed one chamber but not the other. Uh, tell us about some of them. Right. The Senate passed its version of a bill to reduce Maryland's carbon footprint, the, the climate bill. But the House's three bills to do the same thing are still in committee. Delegate Kumar Barve, the Montgomery County Democrat sponsoring those bills, says he's sure they'll work it out. The crossover doesn't really matter as far as I'm concerned. We're committed to making this work, and I'm confident that we will make it work. And Dana Stein, the Baltimore County Democrat and co-sponsor, says the House bills were designed to fit with the Senate bill. There are some, some differences which we're going to figure out, but they're not major differences. We'll be able to work those out so we can get to a final, final bill. Okay, here's one important to business owners and patrons of the adult entertainment district in Baltimore known as The Block. What is up with the effort to shut down the strip clubs there at 10 p.m.? Well, the Senate passed a heavily amended version uh, that allowed the clubs to stay open till 2 a.m., provided they draft a security plan to be approved by the police department and the city liquor board and that they use security cameras consistently and share the footage with police. Now, Delegate Luke Klippinger, who handles liquor bills for the city delegation, says the delegation approved that bill last week and he expects the House Economic Matters Committee to approve it and move it to the House floor quickly. One last thing, uh, legalizing marijuana. What is happening on the recreational cannabis front? Well, the House passed a constitutional amendment to send to the voters, along with a bill that spells out the details. The Senate has held a committee hearing on a more expansive state constitutional amendment that includes many elements of the House bill and more, but, but they haven't acted on it. Delegate Klippinger, sponsor of the House bills, says he's to testify on them before the Senate Finance Committee this week. You know, the Senate is going to have to pass something. Uh, so we'll wait and see what the what the Senate does. We've talked a little. We, we've talked a little back and forth. We're going to talk more. Um, I think now that we're going to get past crossover, we'll be able to talk more in the next couple couple days, of course. And with that, we begin the sprint to Sine Die on April 11th. Under Maryland Medicaid rules, trans, intersex, and gender-diverse people can't receive certain medically necessary gender-affirming care. 
A bill the Senate passed Monday would change that. WYPR's Callan Tanzel Suddeth has more. In the past five years, many states, including California, Montana, and Wisconsin, have expanded or clarified the gender-affirming care covered by their Medicaid programs. The Trans Health Equity Act of 2022 would add Maryland to that list by requiring the state's Medicaid program to provide comprehensive gender-affirming treatment to adults it covers. Senator Mary Washington, the Baltimore Democrat and lead sponsor, says the bill defines gender-affirming treatment. It affirms the treatment uh, as being medically necessary, and it ensures that the treatment uh, that is covered treats a condition that's related to the individual's gender identity. Dr. Elise Pine, an endocrinologist at Chase Brexton Health in Columbia, told House and Senate committees she's treated thousands of gender-diverse patients over the last decade and has seen firsthand how important the care is. All major medical organizations agree that this care is medically necessary. The treatments are neither cosmetic nor experimental. They are well-researched, highly regarded, and life-saving. The low-income Maryland transgender community deserves this life-saving care. The state's Medicaid program covers some gender-affirming care, but it is not up to modern standards, Pine said. Some surgeries, voice therapy, and hair removal are a few of the treatments explicitly denied. The current Maryland policy has a long list of exclusions. One set of exclusions is for facial procedures. Facial features such as jawline and Adam's apple are associated with specific gender. Pine said an appearance that does not align with a person's outward gender expression can cause tremendous internal distress and poses a great risk to their safety. These are the things that for a lot of trans people, for myself in particular, this is, has been incredibly helpful for me to you know, feel more comfortable, to reduce my dysphoria and discomfort, but also to increase safety. That was Margot Quinlan, who testified on behalf of the organization Trans Maryland in favor of the bill. She was able to obtain some of these services through private insurance, but knows they're inaccessible for lower income people. So these are things that are not only are they medically necessary, but they're life-saving for a lot of us. And these are the services that are currently being denied. Danny Mendoza, a public benefits and insurance navigator with Whitman Walker Health, has had to tell people they can't begin or can no longer get the care they need because of a lack of or change in insurance coverage. It's hard telling someone that you're not able to get the care that you need because your insurance won't cover it. Even for folks who, you know, had health insurance that was covering it before, now being on a plan that, that won't cover it, it's, it's such a big shock. Most often, Mendoza told WYPR, this happens to people experiencing homelessness, of which the trans community is at much higher risk. The National Center for Transgender Equality reports one in five trans people will experience homelessness at some point in their lives. Legislative analysts estimate the bill would increase state Medicaid costs by one-half of one-tenth of a percent. Of the 2,000 trans people enrolled in Medicaid in the state last year, 98 received gender-affirming treatment through the program. But at the end of the day, Washington said the bill is emblematic of something much bigger. This is really about ensuring that a person's income is not a barrier to them to them getting medically necessary uh, treatment. It's really about making sure uh, that our most vulnerable Marylanders, that individuals with a low income, are, are able to, to get what they need. The bill passed the Senate along party lines Monday. It will be heard by the House of Delegates in the coming weeks. For WYPR News, I'm Callan Tansel-Suddeth.
We're always happy to hear from you, and we'll be here for you again on Friday. The Daily Dose is brought to you by WYPR, made possible by GBMC Healthcare. Big thanks to my news team colleagues, Rachel Bay, John Lee, Joel McCord, and Callan tanzel Sutton. Our digital content director is Jamila Krempel, and our general manager is LaFontaine Oliver. The executive editor of The Daily Dose is Danielle Irby. Stay healthy, stay sane, and stand together. I'm Sarah Y. Kim. Thanks for listening.